This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go Hayes! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. After a wild weekend in our world that we will talk about a semi-A's Red Sox wedding that we went to. You had game one of the ALCS goes to the Texas Rangers. We will have our predictions for this ALCS. Since the commander wasn't here on Friday, we couldn't do them. But, yes, we did them over the weekend. We'll tell you who's going to win the ALCS, who's going to win the NLCS. Game one of the NLCS is going to start today at 5.07. It's fascinating to look at what these two teams have done. You look at Arizona and how Arizona has won. Arizona's won as comeback kids and as front runners. And they've shown no fear. And yet they are going into the greatest home field advantage that we have ever seen in our sport. And you might say, whoa, slow down. And I'm going to say, hey, listen, you guys tell me all to listen to the data. Or what was that guy, the old head coach of the uh, uh, the Grizzlies? Take that for data. David Fisdale, the head coach of the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, take that for data. I say data, you say data. This is the best home field advantage we've ever seen numbers-wise. Citizens Bank Park is no joke. And then coming up here in just a little bit, we got the Rangers and the Astros. Game one going to the undefeated. Texas Rangers, the literally unbeatable Texas Rangers in the postseason. I'm going to give you in a little bit how they've outscored their opponents. And remember, eight of those runs that they gave up, there's 12 runs that they've given up this postseason. Eight were in one game in that win over the Orioles. So you take out in that win where they gave up eight, they're not giving up any runs. A shutout yesterday. Game one in Houston, they shut out the Astros. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you, it doesn't mean a lot. But it's impressive. You win game one, obviously the percentages go your way. Uh, Coming up here, the pitching coach of the Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson, is going to be here at 1.30. And then Roxy Bernstein from ESPN, he's been calling these games. Does he have any of the uh, AL or NLCS games? He does not, but he was a member of the most recent series that he did the Diamondbacks last series. So he's followed the team pretty closely 
throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, that, that was the last series he had. Yeah, well, if you look at D-backs and Phillies, they're tied for the most home runs so far this postseason. Absolutely wild. So, Scott Emerson here at 1.30, Roxy Bernstein at 2.30. I look back at Friday's show. If you got a chance to watch it live, if you got a chance to listen to it live, go back, watch it on YouTube, listen to it, athletics.com slash acecast. It's almost like we cracked the code. Now, we never try and act like we're the smartest guys uh, in the room on this show because if you ever think you're the smartest guy in the room, you need to go find another room. But we found something. And we'll we'll play this at some point. Because Eno Saris obviously is a numbers guy. He's an analytics guy. And as we kind of talk through it together... And the more I thought about it over the weekend, I was like, wow. We really kind of cracked the code, the difference between the regular season and the postseason. And it really flips on what all the analytics people have been saying. And it makes total sense now that we've had a whole weekend to think about it. As I watched Cody get drunk at uh, Alex Jensen's wedding in San Luis Obispo over the weekend. Um, uh, Alex Jensen is a great friend of ours. Alex Jensen now an A's broadcaster. He's been a part of what we've been doing here uh, for years. You know, he first started coming on the scene uh, here on A's cast and now does a great job doing play-by-play for us. He got married to his beautiful bride, Samantha. And you might have seen her on Pac-12 Network. She's worked around the WCC for years. And so they got hitched over the weekend. Congratulations to the couple, beautiful couple. And not just saying this. And when Mama Townsend is impressed, because it takes a lot to impress my wife. It really does. My wife's interest, she has very, she has very uh, high taste, quality taste. Probably the the story of the weekend is when my wife met Johnny Dosco and she had literally no clue who he was. Because Johnny now, Johnny thinks he's like a TV, you know, he's Johnny Carson, right? he's, He's Jimmy Fallon. He's a TV star now. He's David Letterman. He, you know, he's a, he's a TV guy. So Johnny thinks everybody knows him. And I actually introduced my wife. So after they did the vows and they did everything after we all got together before the cocktail party and I introduced my wife to Johnny and you could tell my wife, Johnny thinks my wife knows who, who Johnny thinks she knows who he is. And I know my wife's got no clue. I had to say, yeah, Johnny's the new guy we hired. Oh, really? Yeah. And you should have seen the look on Johnny's face. Like, you don't know me. When I tell you that my household is not a paying attention to what I do for a living, I'm not joking. She doesn't watch me. Even when I'm doing TV on NBC Sports doing A's pre- and post-game live, she didn't watch one. So that was probably my my best story. Uh, and also, Cody basically kissing up to all the Red Sox people. If you, if you guys would have seen what a kiss-ass Cody was to Red Sox Nation. He's arm in arm singing, Sweet Caroline. 
I mean, if you want to go work for the Red Sox and you and you want me to put a good word in for you, Cody, just let me know because it was. I mean, I would have thought you were Carl Yastrzemski's grandson at that wedding, for God's sakes. I mean, I was practically like Dave O'Brien's best friend at the wedding. I mean, we were having I mean, conversation after conversation. TV fan. Uh, Sammy's dad is the TV face, the lead television broadcaster for the Red Sox. You were falling around like Red Sox Nation. Yeah, well, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get intel on on uh, on the Sox for next year and what's going on. And you know, it was, it was great to see Dave. It's been a while since we've seen him, and he gave a great toast. Uh, you know, we'll yeah, we'll explain it someday down the road. But it was a great toast, and uh, it was good to see him. But yeah, there was a lot of Red Sox Nation there, and. Uh, <laughs> A little too much for my t- for my blood, but there was a lot of the Ace family there as well. So uh, we kind of like counterbalanced the uh, situation. Well, Dave O'Brien, the TV face of Nesson and also the ACC Network, is now, as I told him at the wedding, you're now ours. You're obligated to be on AceCast whenever we want you. He's been he's been very generous with his time. He comes down onto the field when the Red Sox are in town, but. Now it's like, now he's part of the family. Now we got him, right? So that's going to be huge for us because let's not forget Stanford and Cal are going into the ACC next year. We're going to have some interesting football games coming to the Bay Area. You know, we're so used to just the traditional stuff. Folks, some of the big boys are coming to town. Clemson's going to come to town. Florida State's going to come to town. So we're going to be able to ring up Dave more than just Red Sox baseball. And, of course, I mean, he was doing postseason baseball. You know, he just doesn't work for the Red Sox and the ACC network. He does the national stuff, too, because he's one of the best broadcasters we have in the game. So he was just on the – what series? Houston? Houston? It was Houston and Minnesota, and, and I was asking him, like, so what was going to happen if the series went, you know, the full five games? And he goes – well, I did up to game three, and then I, I was out of there. I told them, you know, you know, almost a year ago what was going on, and once we got to game three, I was done after that. So it went four games. What was that on? Was that what? Was that TBS or Fox? Uh, ooh, I, I forget. Yeah, I forget too. I think they were Fox because TBS is doing the National League. So our camp. So one of the lights that we have in my studio was a little off, and I had to move it. Guess what? I found in a bag. I totally forgot about this. Delaire, our boss, gave it to me a while back. We didn't bring it out for the playoffs. Maybe we jinxed the Brewers. We forgot we got Bernie Brewer. We we added Bernie to our collection. We forgot to bring him out. Maybe that's why they got swept by the D-backs. Uh, we, I take full responsibility as the guy that picks it, the, the Brewers to win every year in the National League. You forgot to put the guy out there. But we do have breaking news in our sport that we want to start out with. Uh, it was really a shocker when Cody sent it to me, and then you go on X and you start looking at it. It, it is a big shocker because usually when you take a franchise that's not used to winning and you win, everybody gets celebrated, right? Everybody gets elevated. Everybody gets elevated. Everybody gets contract extensions. Everybody's feeling pretty good. That's not the case in Miami, South Florida. Kim Ng, who is a trailblazer. We know about her career with the Yankees, with the Dodgers. 
became the first female ever to be a general manager. Huge deal. Jessica Kleinschmidt had her on A's cast for us and also played it on the pregame show, A's Total Access. She's a big deal. She got them to the playoffs, 84 and 78. She is no longer the general manager of the Miami Marlins. She has stepped down. She had one year. She had an option on her contract. They picked up the option, obviously. She, it was a mutual option, we have found out. She declined. And you're like, what the, I mean, not to say that the Marlins have always, and Roxy Bernstein's going to be on, he used to work for the Florida Marlins. Not to say that they always make the best decisions, but this is also one that's very political, right? I mean, this is one where you've hired a female. She's done an unbelievable job. She's gotten you to the playoffs, and now the year you get to the playoffs, she's stepping down. Now, I originally thought, because you say, okay, I, I have to formulate an opinion or really a guess on why I think it's going down. My guess would have been this. My guess would have been, I just got to the playoffs. You're only picking up my option. I need, I need multiple years, which strike while the iron's hot. I, I would agree with her. If I was her agent, I'd be like, we're going in, pay raise, pay raise for your staff, and we're talking about a multi-year deal. We don't want to hear about you just picked up the option. That's what I would have thought it was. And then it was even bigger than that, according to some of our experts in the game, our national guys. Jeff Passon is where I saw it. I know multiple people have put it out there. That they wanted to now just pick up her option, which I still think is right. I still think I'm right on that. Like, this is all you got for me? But it's bigger than that. They wanted to bring in someone above her a president of baseball operations. God knows how annoying those have become. Because we got to have more cooks in the kitchen. So because I'm going to read the tea leaf saying you're only picking up my option, and then Jeff Passan and other guys are saying, well, it's because they want to bring in a president of baseball operations. I mean, think about that. If you're bringing in a president of baseball operations and you've only picked up the last year, essentially the option year on my contract, that means the baseball pres president of baseball operations is just coming in to evaluate me. I'm a lame duck. I do not blame her whatsoever. And boy, for a franchise that has taken a lot of egg on their face, they've done it again. That's really breaking, shocking news in the baseball world that Kim Ng, first female general manager, highly regarded in our game, has worked for two of the most iconic American franchises, just not baseball franchises, American franchises. When you talk about the Yankees and the Dodgers. And then she gets the Marlins in a division that, Featured the 104 win Braves, featured the God love them, just renegade outlaws, the Phillies. I always are like that summer ball team that's so tough to beat. 
the Mets, who spent more money than any team has ever spent in the history of baseball, you're in this division, and you get to the postseason, and that's the best you got for me as the general manager, and I'm a trailblazer? I make you look good. Are you kidding me? This isn't, I'm thankful to have my job. I'm quitting this job, and I'll have a job tomorrow if I want. I've helped you bozos out. You guys have been incompetent for years. You're so incompetent, your guy Jeter, who was supposed to turn the world around, he's now giving bad takes on Fox. His big take yesterday, Jeter, did you watch the postgame show? I did not. I told you I don't watch their postgame show. All right, so once again, A-Rod, Big Poppy have zero to offer. Jeter was like, see what happens when your starting pitchers go deep in postseason? Thanks, Jeets. Appreciate it. Brilliant. Just brilliant analysis from our Fox crew. How much are they getting paid? But that is the breaking news today in baseball other than the games. Kim Ng is out as general manager of the Miami Marlins, and they've got a lot of explaining to do. So now you've got to go find a president of baseball operations, and you got to find a general manager, and that also means – you're going to, because you got to remember, when you do stuff like this, you're probably going to bring in your own people. So that starts to trickle down to, does that mean you replace the assistant general managers, the head of scouting, scouts, the whole, I mean, a team that is on the rise, you're now going to revamp. Some people may say, I don't care. I get it. I just find it very, very puzzling. And why, why did they feel why did they feel that they needed to, and I'm not asking you, Cody, to have the answer since I know you are not as connected into the South Florida as people may think. Um, but why would you feel that after what she's done that you need to bring in someone above her and only pick up her option? Better yet, why don't you just feel like if she's done a great job, what she has, what she did with the Marlins, I know she took over after the 2020 year. It was the first time – in a full season, they made the postseason since they won the World Series in 03. So it's not like the Marlins are a perennial playoff team. Why wouldn't you just elevate her to be the president of baseball ops and then bring in a general manager if that's how you felt? But it's the Marlins, and they've made these mistakes. I mean, remember, two years ago, Jeter was out, and then now Kim Ng's in, and she's gone. And she's going to find a job somewhere else. I mean, I've seen a few places that they – I think the Athletic had it, Ken Rosenthal, and Tyler Kepner had it in there. Uh, they mentioned the, the Red Sox because she's close with Alex Cora, and they work together with the Dodgers – they mentioned the Mets, which I don't see her going to be the general manager of the Mets because they hired David Stearns. The, the interesting one was, could they potentially hire her to be the president of baseball ops with the Chicago White Sox, where she worked earlier in her career, and be the president of baseball ops there above new GM Chris Getz? So there's some potential places we could see Kim Ng end up. But, yeah, very puzzling move by the Marlins, who she made some good moves at the deadline getting Jake Berger – um, and Josh Herb Bell was huge. She brought in the, the team didn't score runs. Josh Bell played well. The two guys they brought in helped their offense when they weren't weren't they, when they weren't able to score runs. And then obviously Sandy Alcantara is having Tommy John surgery, so we won't see him. But she did a great job at the few years she was in Miami. And then to see this happen, it's just a bad th- it's a bad look for the Marlins. Arise, Arise came in and hit. That was I mean, a good trade too. Threw, threw, Lopez threw great for the Twins, but Arise came in. Gave them consistency offensively. Jorge Soler uh, really, really stepped up this year. 
and hitting bombs. So, I mean, they got to the postseason. You're the Marlins, and you got to the postseason. That's why we have the wild cards. It gives people like the Marlins a chance, who it's going to be really tough in a division that has, you know, let's face it, the, I just know this because they're a part of the NBC family, but, you know, NBC is the cable is connected just like we are connected to NBC. Phil, Philly's connected to NBC. Philly's TV deal is $250 million. So before the Phillies ever throw a pitch, they're getting $250 million for television. Like, you realize that? I mean, that's what people don't realize. These cable deals, they're not all equal, not even close. Philly gets $250 million. That's the last I heard. Who knows? Since I heard that was a couple of years ago, it could be escalated up even more. But they throw a bit. You think we're getting $250 million? You think the Marlins are getting $250 million? I mean, basically, their salary, it's like, it's like the, how the NFL works. The NFL works is that the TV money is always more than what the salary cap is. So the TV money will always pay for the players' salaries. So basically, Philly, I don't know what they're – they have one of the highest payrolls. I don't know what their payroll – but put it this way. Their TV pays for their payroll. So all the parking, all the tickets, all the sweets, all the beers, all the hot dogs, all that stuff just goes right in the owner's pocket. All the local deals, all the stuff that Philly makes, it all just goes boop right in the owner's pocket. So that's why it's funny when they go, hey, listen, this guy wants to win. This guy spends money. Oh, really? Well, his TV deal takes care of his salaries. Now, if his TV deal was $50 million and he had a payroll of 200 something million, would he still be the same guy? No, and I just looked. Their pay- opening day payroll was $243 million. So their TV, from, I know, was 250 their deal a year. 250 so for all these people who pop on X, and once again, I don't hate you, just a lot of you are misinformed. You think, oh, yeah, look at your owner. He's wheeling and dealing. His payroll is paid for before the season even starts with TV money. Isn't it amazing how big of a wheeler and dealer you can look when you have that comfort? You have that comfort. Like before you even roll it out, Paid for. It's a different ball game. That's why basketball, football, and hockey are different than our sport. We'll go into that in the offseason. All righty. Let's keep you updated on some things in the playoffs. You ready, Cody? Let's hear it. The average time of game, 23 playoff contests, remains under three hours. We're just under three hours, but we're under three hours. No 340, no four hours. We're under three hours. That is good news. The team that out homers the other team is 15 and one. Team that scores first is 16 and seven. How about this one? If you want to talk about sometimes data, numbers, statistics mean absolutely nothing. Are you ready? Teams that get shut out in game one, right? That's a bad look. You get shut out. You didn't score a run. Wouldn't you say that's a bad look? Especially if you're Houston, for sure. You're you're shut out at home. You would think, oh, my God, doom and gloom. 
Uh, the team that gets shut out in game one in a best of seven series has gone on to win the series 16 of 29 times. That's a winning percentage of 552. <laughs> now, you want to get shut out in that scenario because the teams that actually score and lose game one are all-time 51 and 108. That's a winning percentage of 321. Make sense of that one. You score and lose game one. You only have a winning percentage of 321. You get shut out in game one. You have a winning percentage of 552. Statistics lie and liars use statistics as they have said in the past. You can make no sense of it. It's the first time that we saw two starting pitchers go at least six innings. That was nice to see. Um, Houston is now three and two in the postseason, best of seven series. They dropped game one dating back to 2017. In both their World Series victories, they lost the first game of the ALCS. So that is okay. Uh, we're going to see. So we have picked. So we weren't able to do it on Friday because for some reason I worked. Cody went early to the wedding. Still, we don't know why Cody, not a family member of Alex Jensen or Sammy O'Brien, now Sammy Jensen, why Cody had to take the day off to go to a wedding of his buddy. Because he's not, you know, that party the night before party really is for. Oh, they invited me. DOB invited me personally. Dave O'Brien uh, sent me a text and said, we need you here. I mean, here. he invited everybody. I just don't know why <laughs> you felt obligated, being not blood, that you had to be there and skip work while the rest of us worked. It's the playoffs. But we weren't able to pick. So uh, these are our selections. It's in writing on text. Can't be changed. ALCS, who do you got? Oh, well, I always pick Houston, so I'm going Houston in six still. And this is before they lost game one. So, yes. Still taking Houston. I, before game one, am sticking with my Texas Rangers. Where is he? Is I'm it? sticking with my guy, Nolan Ryan. Right there, baby. Big Tex. You're going with your gut. <laughs> I'm Bruce Bochy and going with my big gut. Uh, <laughs> I am going Rangers and six. And that was before game one. I'm so bullish now, I'm almost ready to go Rangers and five. Oh, come on. No, no, come on. Call it. Say a sweep. You want a sweep? Are you, are you going to Now, gentle? remember, I want everybody to listen to this because yesterday on the way back from slow, the wifey and I stopped by Pebble Beach, had a nice little meal over there. By the way, if you're ever down at Pebble, Roy's, Roy's is phenomenal. Roy's Roy's is a restaurant that, that it's in Hawaii, it's in uh, Oahu, it's in Maui. There's one in Anaheim. There's one in uh, Newport Beach. There used to be one in San Francisco. I don't know. It's still there. Everybody's getting out of San Francisco. Um, but there's one down at uh, Spanish Bay down at Pebble Beach. It's phenomenal. Had butterfish and ribs. Oh, to die for. Um. So I was listening to the SiriusXM broadcast. I'm not going to mention their names. They're all friends of the program. They've all been on the program. But you want to go chalk. If you hear anybody predict Game 7, they're basically telling you they don't know. If you go 
team and seven games, you're basically guessing you don't have an opinion. Always remember that. If you go Rangers and seven, if you think it's going seven games, you're basically telling your audience, I'm not really giving you an opinion. I'm going chalk. I'm going to be safe. I'm going seven games. And in game seven, ah, if you go seven games, you really don't have an opinion. So I'm going Rangers and six. You're going Astros and six. Correct. Winner of game one usually wins 64% of the time. What does that matter? I, you know what? If anything, 2019 taught us something, how the Nationals won the World Series against the Astros. Neither team won a home game. Correct, yeah. And uh, so, I was going to say, there's one other stat you missed, too, about the, it's the ties in the last night. Uh, teams that have their pitchers go at least six innings are 10-3 and three this year. Now, one of them, obviously, is Verlander last night, but – that's pretty impressive. Well, the other one is a guy going tonight, Wheeler. Yeah. And they lost to the Braves. So it's nice. It's definitely nice. By the way, I, I, I have something for you. You got to, re- I can't do this with Scott Emerson. I have a reason why Mason Miller should be in the bullpen. How about that for a tease? Yeah. Well, Emo's in the, Emo's in the green room, as they say. So is he? Can he hear me? Yeah, he can hear you. You want me to add him? Yeah, Scott right. Emerson, pitching coach of the Oakland Athletics turned golf professional now in North Carolina. Uh, Emo, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I, I am doing phenomenal. So, so far, what do you think of our baseball playoffs? What have been some observations that you have had? Well, like you guys, you know, I just joined uh, a second ago talking about starting pitching. You know, I, I saw a stat that had uh, the Rangers, the Astros, the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies uh, had the best starting pitching in the playoffs. And I I wanted to write that down and say, no, duh, because, you know, starting pitching is where the game always starts, right? So they got to go out there and they got to keep the game close as long as possible to hand it over to uh, those good bullpens. So, you know, the games have been, uh, you know, fairly exciting, you know, from what I'm watching, you know, it's really hard sometimes to, uh, to watch some games when, when you want to be a part of those games and, uh, but it's sometimes it's really exciting also to sit down and watch a couple of games and, and uh, you know, think about, you know, what we got to do uh, to be one of those teams again. I don't want you to question fellow personnel in big league baseball. That's not fair, but I just want to throw a scenario at you. You know, when, when, when you're taking a starter out early and I mean early and let's say, let's say a guy's not struggling. Let's say the guy's actually throwing pretty well and you take a guy out really early, as a pitching coach, how dicey is it to where now you're relying on your bullpen and a lot of different guys to cover seven or six innings? What is that like for you as a pitching coach when you take that starter out dramatically that early in a postseason game? Yeah, you know, when when you take uh, starting pitchers out early, you know, every single member of that bullpen has to pitch good. You get one or two hiccups out of one or two guys, then, then you know, you could be behind in that game. You know, for me, uh, the game should be played the same in the postseason as it was in the regular season. There might be a little bit more where your bullpen gets backed up a little bit. Let's just say uh, you're, you're the home team and you're losing in the ninth inning. You may send out 
your 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 closer in game one, keep the game close and see what happens uh, with your offense in the bottom of the ninth, knowing that the next day he can pitch one inning again and then have that third day off. So your off days play an important role. You know, each guy, you know, they should be your bullpen guys should be able to go back to back days. But you know, your matchup sheets. You know, everybody has a a matchup sheet now, and and we're looking at the data and we're understanding the data. You know, we're not taking guys out of games because of pitch count. You know, we're taking guys out of games because the data does show that third time through the offensive guy has a better advantage. So now you got to play that with the scoreboard. Now you're looking, okay, is it worth taking this starter a third time through, or is it worth going to your bullpen who's fresh on a third time through? The, the numbers don't lie. You know, they do tell you third time through on most starting pitchers is the worst time for a starting pitcher. Now, what do you want? You want really good starting pitchers who can go that third and fourth time through. You want horses. And when you're looking at playoff baseball in general, each team has three horses. And that's what we're trying to develop, you know, in our organization with our guys. You know, we talk about it in our post-game reviews the next day. Are you a playoff pitcher? What can you do to get us to be a playoff pitcher? What do we need to do? And then we we collaborate and we have feedback. Hey, in general, it's command the heater and throw swing and miss pitches when you're ahead. Have that ability to throw, you know, a soft contact ball when you're behind. So, you know, these conversations in development are what we're trying to accomplish is build horses. Go back on what you said early, earlier where you said you want to see – the team play more like the regular season to where some people think you throw any type of strategy out and it's like, Oh my God, do or die. Every single pitch, everything you would still like to see the team play a little bit more like it does in the regular season. I think you just got, you got to remember, you know, how you got there. And uh, you know, if you have a strategy throughout the regular season that wins a hundred ball games, you know, why aren't we sticking to that strategy uh, of, doing what we did that got us here. You know, when, when we go and change all the time now, not saying there, there aren't times when you use an opener or aren't times when you cut the starter down because you feel like your bullpen is better. I'm just saying you throw out your number one guy, you throw out uh, Justin Verlander and, and you're expecting him to go out there and pitch his game until you pull him out of the game. Uh, and then there might be your third or fourth starter where, you know, sometimes you're going to use an opener for him. And depending on the opposing team's lineup, if you've been doing that throughout the course of the season, then by, by all means, you should be doing that in the playoffs. And if your number one goes out there and he's a guy that you, you, uh, you think can go six and seven and get you in position to win the game, then that should be the plan. But if, if you're going into to a game, in my opinion, and you're changing your strategy of what you've done all season, I, 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 I'm not so sure that's a great idea. I kind of think we cracked the code this last show and we thought about it a lot over the weekend because a lot of these guys in now the, let's call them the analytics media, where they talk about how oh, the postseason is just random. And we really broke it down and said, you know what? Actually, the regular season is more random than the postseason because the postseason, we pare everything down. We slim everything down. You're not seeing the fourth and fifth starters. You're not seeing the back of the bullpen. 
you're seeing everybody's best lineup. You're not seeing you're not seeing the 40 man roster. You're not seeing guys come up from AAA. You're not seeing openers. You're not you're not seeing survival. You're seeing the best starters, the best lineup, the best bullpen. That's not random to me. And then what I want you to talk about is what we're seeing now when you're the Astros and the Rangers. You're in division together. You know everything about each other. I don't even know how much scouting reports you got to do going into this. What is it like in the playoffs? Because you did it in 2020 against the Astros down at Dodger Stadium. What's it like preparing for a division opponent in the postseason that you know? Yeah, I, I you know, it, it, yeah, obviously separation is preparation, but you know, you know, as much as you're game planning for the opposing team, the opposing team is game planning for you. And, uh, you know, each pitcher who goes out there, you know, has a general idea of what they're trying to accomplish to each hitter. And each hitter has a general idea of what that pitcher is trying to accomplish against them. That's why execution is so important. And that's why when you throw your fastball, you got to have the ability to command your fastball, not just throw it to the zone, but go up and in. You take a guy like Alvarez. You know, he knows a lot of left-handers are going to come in and they're going to go up and in and expand breaking balls. If you constantly expand breaking balls, he's not going to swing and you're going to walk him. You got to be able to hit that breaking ball in the up and in zone to Alvarez. And then you got to be able to kind of nibble that slider or get it down and away. We all know that uh, execution is, is the key. And, uh, you know, when the opponent knows exactly what you're trying to do, you know he knows exactly what you're trying to do then the execution part comes in. What happens is, is when you're trying to throw that fastball up and in, and boom, that ball leaks back towards the middle of the plate. You're trying to throw that breaking ball down and away, boom, and you leave that breaking ball close to them. And, and that's when you get in trouble is mistakes. You know, if you watch a Major League Baseball game, I, w- I wish you guys could, could really look at our scouting reports. And when we get beat, we get beat on the lack of the execution of the pitch that we were supposed to throw. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we just miss a spot and the hitters capitalize on that spot. You know, the greatest hitters in the world, they take what we, you give them. And then the good hitters, they got areas of the plate that they hit really well. We know that. They know that. That's what the data is telling us. And the dating data also tells us is you got a guy with a riding fastball. He's probably a better matchup against this guy. You got a guy with a sinking fastball. He's probably a better matchup to this guy. So, you know, when you're going in and you're, you're evaluating and you're doing your, your reports, you're putting together a report of what your pitcher does well and what the hitter is incapable of doing. You're going to attack a hitter's weakness with a strength. If you don't have a, a strength that can attack that hitter's weaknesses, then you got to kind of go strength on strength. Now, for me, strength on strength, hitters are, are 300 hitters and they're Hall of Famers. You give them a little bit advantage, right? So now that's where... I come right back to that execution. You've got to be able to execute the game plan, what you're doing, and that's where the data really shows up because it tells you exactly how you can pitch a guy. Now, with that being said, also, one mistake, just one mistake, a hanging breaking ball, a ball left uh, uh, close to the middle of the plate, advantage hitter, and that could cost you the ball game. All right. This would help me so much in the postgame show when callers call up and they're angry. If you guys would allow me in your meetings, I would be able to say, listen, they had the game plan. They just didn't execute it. I saw. So how can we talk David Force or Mark Kotze letting me in? 
Uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's just like, well, why didn't they use such and such? How come he didn't come into the game? And maybe they don't know the guy pitched two days in a row and he wasn't feeling good that day. Or maybe the workload the day before, uh, you know, or, or maybe they got some sort of other issue that they just come in and say, hey, I'm down tonight. And, and that happens, you know. And, you know, it's it's baseball, you, you know, you, you uh you know, I get everybody wants to play the Monday morning quarterback, and, and that's great. But, you know, most of the time, a lot of people don't have all the details of what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's tough uh, uh, because everybody everybody has an opinion, which I love. But, uh, you know, we just got to stay positive in, in that next day and understand, hey, we made mistakes. And then, you know, one of my biggest things to, to our guys, too, is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. If we make a mistake and and went away from the game plan and got beat in that situation, that's discussed the next day as well. Why did we do this? What did you see to alter from the game plan? But most of the time you look, you know, the guys are on the game plan. They just make a mistake. The ball leaks back over or they're trying to overthrow a baseball and that ball moves back across to the arm side in the advantage of the hitter. And, uh, you know, like I said, when we make mistakes, the good teams, the good hitters capitalize on it. And sure, we can make uh, 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 plenty of mistakes and get away with it. But we always remember the mistake that we don't get uh, that, that they capitalize on. Well, you've prepared for these teams already. You know them as well as anybody. Just talk about how tough it is when you're facing the Texas Rangers. They're seven, eight and nine hitters. You want to talk about length of a lineup. Their seven, eight, nine hitters are hitting 328 with over 1,000 OPS, 11 extra base hits, nine RBIs, and they've scored 15 runs. How tough is that as a staff when the bottom of the lineup has been as productive as the top of the lineup? You know, you know, just kind of like I said earlier, the best hitters in baseball, in my opinion, are the guys that take what you give them and they don't chase. You know, we look at their numbers before the game, and I'm like, man, this guy really doesn't swing in this count. This guy really doesn't swing in this count. He swings in this count when the ball's inside the strike zone. You know, that's why you got to have really good dominant stuff and be able to get outs inside that strike zone because against the really good elite teams, it's really hard to get them chasing pitches outside the strike zone. And you look at the Texas Rangers, you look at the Houston Astros, and they do that, you know. They just don't chase that often, and it, it's hard to throw a put-away pitch, and they just kind of stand there and look at it. So now you got to go in the zone. And and I think they're really good you know, disciplined hitters. Um, and when they don't swing at pitches that you want them to swing at, it, you've got to start getting balls closer to the zone. And then when you got a young, uh, inexperienced staff uh, who, who hasn't gone through the ringer yet, maybe those balls get a little bit more center cut than you want. And then hopefully in time, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn that over time our guys will understand how important commanding the baseball really is no matter what pitch you throw. Who doesn't chase outside the strike zone and who is willing to chase outside the strike zone? And if you look it up and you look at the data, the guys who don't chase, man, they're tough outs. You know, tonight for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, they, they've been such a tremendous story from a standpoint of they had to come back and both those double-digit runs, they were down against the Brewers. They came back and won. And then they boat raced the Dodgers. So they've won multiple ways. They've come back and they've, they've won convincingly. So they're a dangerous animal. 
But so much of what we talk about with you and what, you know, we call you one of the best, if not the best pitching coach in baseball, that it's just not all about we're talking about data and we're just not all talking about biomechanics. It's what's in between the ears. And I know you work so much mentally with your guys, and I just wonder, when you think about Philly, Philly is 26-11 and 11 since Citizens Bank Park opened up in the postseason. It's the, it's the number one winning percentage for a home venue ever in the history of baseball in the postseason. The place is rocking. They're on top of you. The fans are going nuts. We all know it's Philly. Philly's a tough sports town. It's a great sports town. What is it like for the pitching coach going in with, with let's say it's Wheeler, to not, not Wheeler, uh, Zach Allen tonight, what's it like talking about the atmosphere and don't let the atmosphere get to you? That's a mental thing, not a physical thing. Yeah, you know, the emotions are really uh, going to fly high, right? Uh, you know, guys may tend to overthrow the baseball, pitch above their means, uh, you know, trying to get that 93-mile-an-hour fastball to beat a guy to a spot at 95 rather than stay uh, cool, calm, and collected and poised enough to understand that putting the ball where I want it at, at my useful velocity that I have is important to try to overdo something you know, I think that's where the guys have to go into the game and, and just stay cool, calm, and collected and understand that that crowd is going to be really loud. And and for Gallon, you know, on, on, on the opposing team, kind of use that as y- your motivation as well, that, hey, they're cheering for me. They're not cheering for the Phillies. They're cheering for me. You know, that's kind of how, you know, I would say, you know, I tell our guys that, hey, this is, the crowd's making noise for both of us. You, you you know it when there's two strikes and the crowd stands up and they go nuts. Do they want the hitter to get out or do they want the pitcher to get the hitter out? So, you know, that's, the, you know, where, where the mental toughness and the grit and determination uh, for you is to be able to stay cool, calm, and collected and center that, that energy to just you staying focused on the task at hand. And for the pitcher, that's throwing a quality strike. And for the hitter, that's seeing a good pitch to hit. It's the game inside the game. I mean, there's video now of certain Braves just yelling back and forth with Philly fans from the dugout, especially Arcia. I mean, it was like, what are you doing? They got, like, emotionally into it with the fans, and that's just, you know, the mental side of it is just not smart. Uh, When you look at Arizona, you go up against, let's go from the Philly side, when you go up against the lineup that, you know, they just got something going right now. They got athletic guys. Corbin Carroll obviously is off the charts. Uh, Walker is such a good player. But when you just start looking at a team that's got it, you know, you can have all your data all you want. But what's it like when you're a pitching staff and you're going up against just a hot team where just everything is going that team's way? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like, man, I'm not lucky anymore. I've been there you know, where I, I felt like, you know, early in my career as a pitcher, I had some luck on my side. And when I started getting my brains beat in, I didn't have luck anymore. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of it is, you know, you, you you look at these teams that are in the playoffs and the one word I can describe uh, that all four of them have is grit. And we've talked about it, you know, uh, some with us is like, you got to have that determination that you are not going to lose this game. You are going to find a way to grind it out, grind your at-bats out, to throw strikes, to throw quality strikes, to execute pitches, uh, to, to cover first base, 
you know, and obviously this is what you want during the regular season. You know, uh, I think, you know, we've always talked about what's difference in the, in the playoffs in the regular season. And in my opinion, hopefully nothing, you know, hopefully uh, your, 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 your will to win uh, uh, game one of the season is you, is the same will to win game seven. And I think if you look at the greatest athletes in the world, they have that will to beat you game one. They have that will to beat you 162, and they have that will to beat you game seven. And they also have that will to beat you in other sports, too. You know, you go out on the golf course counting me and you. You know, I'm a I'm a will to win. Al Davis, baby. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to work you the best I can in golf. Now I'm not any good, but I'm gonna try to kick your butt. Uh and, and in ping pong, you know, uh, the will to win in tennis and in any sport that you have, you look at the guys, uh, the greatest athletes, they have that will to, to beat you in any sport. And I think, you know, that's what good teams do. That's what good teams have. You know, some teams start with one or two players. And then at the end of the day, you want to end up with the 26 man roster, your coaching staff, your front office, having that grit, having that will to win. And, and no excuses, you know, next year, you know, I, I, I really try to tell our pitchers that, okay, no, no excuses next year. You know, JP Sears, 32 starts. What an amazing accomplishment. I love yeah. it. What an amazing accomplishment for that young man. Now. Okay. Let's go out and, and let's prove that those 32 starts, we learned something. Uh, Ken Waldachuk bounced back really well. Uh, Lucas Ursig out of that bullpen who just chiseled away at, at, at being really good. And uh, those three guys just kind of stand out right now to me. And, and, we, and we had a lot of guys stand out. But uh, I, I truly believe that, you know, that grit, that hard work, and that determination and that will to win is going to help you win a few more games. All right. I, I was not going to really get into much A's. As we told you, we talked playoffs. Uh, but there is some breaking news. I don't know if you know this already. I don't want to blindside you with this. But uh, Trevor May – has announced his retirement. I'm not sure if you knew that was going to happen or not, but uh, Trevor May, who was going to be a free agent, so you didn't know if you are going to have him anyway. But Trevor May, uh, when you hear that, what are your first thoughts? Uh, my first thought, what a what a, a great season that Trevor May had this year. You know, uh, he went out there and, and worked his tail off, uh, got better as the season went on. You know, uh, had it had his as uh, his day on the uh, the disabled list for some issues, yeah. but I think Trevor did an amazing job. Uh, I kind of had an idea this was coming, uh, and you know, sometimes when you play as long as Trevor has, and you have family and you got kids, I get it. You know, uh, you know, uh, money money uh, isn't probably an issue for him anymore. I think he's done a heck of a job with it, and. Uh, you know, sometimes guys just want to be close to their family and be at home and and uh, not not say it's a regular life. But, you know, I've been in this game since 1992 and and eight months a year. I'm not at the house and uh, I'm fortunate to have a great wife and and uh, who allows me to leave the house for that long and come home and and, um, you know, have a life at home in the off season. Uh, so she says, you know, I still love doing my baseball stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, this guy put together a great career. Uh, I believe it's over 10 plus seasons in the major leagues. What an accomplishment. So, you know, if, if your report is true, which is probably good because you're, you're the best at what you do in reporting that you and Cody, I would like to say uh, congratulations to Trevor Mack on an amazing career.
you know, getting back to when we talk about, you know, it's almost like you're a friend, you're a psychologist, you're a lot of different things to these guys. You know, at the end of the year, NBC wanted me to do a my top three things of the season. And one of my top three was what Trevor May went through, how he dealt with it head on, how he didn't run and hide from it, how he publicly went through it, helped a lot of people. Because there's a lot of people, including people close to me, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression. And when someone in the limelight, a professional athlete, who we think these guys are bulletproof, we think these guys are Superman, and when you see someone like that going through the same things you're going through, a lot of people talked about how much Trevor talking about it really helped them. And I think about these guys that you understand, like Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon just had his fourth child during the playoffs. I mean, there we, we don't think about these guys as human beings away from the field and not being in uniform. We think of these guys that they just show up, they play, they're these great athletes, and they make millions, and life's just perfect. And the reality is, it's not. They, they're dealing with a lot of stuff. They're dealing with the same stuff all of us are dealing with. They're young men. If we all remember back what it was like in our 20s and our 30s, you're dealing with stuff. Just talk about that. You know, not only are you worried about, you know, are you throwing strikes? How are you throwing strikes? You know, what's the, what's the spin rate and vertical and horizontal and all this different stuff with pitches? But you've got to help these guys because, you know, some of them are struggling off the field with with real life problems. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, my sister owned a bar in Phoenix and I got to bartend for a couple of years. And and now you understand that uh, a lot of people have some problems in the, you know, right. I mean, you're, you're listening to people and, and as coaches, we do the exact same thing. We, we listen to guys, even coaches, you know, we go through, we have some, uh, uh, you know, uh, stresses in our lives as well. And we got to show up each and every day and, and do our job and, and be there for our guys. You know, uh, the one thing I try to do is I try to stay level keel as much as possible, even though sometimes I'm feeling stressed, you know, I got, I got people, uh, you know, there's outside people all over, all over me as well some days. And, and you just got to feel like, Hey, you know what, I'm doing the best job that I possibly can. And uh, you know, for me, I love doing this. You know, I, I love our pitchers. I love our coaching staff. I, I love our player development scouting. I love the front office. I love, I love all our people. And, and, and I feel like when I come to work, I'm just going to give it the best I can. And uh, that's what the players are dealing with. They're trying to do the exact same thing. But like I said, you know, some of these guys got kids and some of these guys have, you know, um, you know, a few years ago, uh, my mom went through a stroke in 2018 during the season. And I end up losing both of my parent uh, parents uh, before the 19th season. And, and it was very stressful, um, you know, going, watching my dad uh, go through uh, his misery with my mom being, in the hospital and then all of a sudden my dad getting sick. And then now all of a sudden I'm stressing cause I got both of my parents, uh, you know, basically on life support. And then, you know, players go through this, their grandmothers are sick, their grandfathers are sick They're, you know, and it's, it's really not that easy. And then you got, you know, people bashing them uh, on social media for their performance sometimes. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a game. You know, I like to say it's a game. It's a game that I love. 
but it's also a career and profession. So I try to, you know, take the attitude as, you know, I want to have rounded shoulders. I want things to fall off of me. Uh, you know, the criticisms or, or the praise and, and just come one day at a time. I learned that from Gil Patterson, our pitching coordinator, just go in there one day at a time and battle and give it what you got. And so you're just trying to feed to those players, but you're also listening to, you know, some of their pain that they do go through and, and be there and understand that, you know, baseball's a game and, and life's a little bit different. And, um, you know, it's not easy to navigate some days when you're when you're seeing guys that you care about uh, in agony over something, and then they got to go out there and and perform. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a big issue in in not just sports in the world today. You know, mental health is important to to, to everybody. Uh, and uh, you know, if if you're if you're needing help, you need to go get help. You know, speaking of mental health, for, for someone like yourself and the rest, rest of the coaching staff, uh, it was a long year. There's no question about that. You need to unplug. Uh, we were forced to unplug. They told us, hey, take basically two weeks off, which we fought. And now I'm very thankful that we did because we did our final show the day after the season. And then we took time off, which normally I, I don't like to take time off. I want to go right through the playoffs. But I got to tell you, after that rough season, uh, a few days later, I felt like I'm glad I did. I, it was really good for me. It was good for me. It was good for me with my marriage, with my kids, kind of like reconnect a little bit more, get away from baseball. I think it's made our shows now better. Uh, just quickly talk about yourself because I know you want to dive back in and get better, and there's a lot of things that you study, but just how important was it for you to just like, whoo, let go, got to let go? Well, well uh, yeah, I mean uh... – you know, getting away from the game sometimes is a, is, is tough for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the one thing, you know, about, you know, the, the rough season that, that we talked about and have talked about and everybody's expressed with us is, you know, we, we you have to go into uh, your work with a realistic expectations as well. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of approach that I started taking a little bit more of after the All-Star break. One thing I try to do is take care of a little bit more about myself and my health, getting a little bit uh, more walks in and, and getting out, uh, outside a little bit more. Instead of being on that computer all day, I try to, you know, get out there and get an hour walk in every day that I could. But, but what I mean by this is like, okay, understand the situation that we're in and understand that, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, moving forward, uh, what what I thought about after the All-Star break, I, I kind of sat down and, and wrote some things down and figured, okay, we're, we're probably not going to make the playoffs. And, and so what am I going to do? And the one thing that I really wanted to do is just really focus on trying to get guys better and really, you know, focus on, you know, they're out there working their tail off. I've said this, I've been on record of saying this, you know, 24 years I've been coaching and that's easily the top three hardest working pitching staffs I've ever had. And remember, we were in the playoffs three times. Um, you know, I've been in the playoffs six or seven times in the minor leagues with a couple of championships that I love. And we're going to work our tail off to get that World Series ring uh, back in Oakland. But what I really thought about is, is the process. You know, our, our, our organization, you know, David Force and Mark Casse, just, you know, really think about your process. Really think about, are you coming here to work? Are you coming here to sulk? You know, and 
And the work is, you know, I'm just going to give it what I got each and every day, uh, along with the rest of the coaching staff to understand that this is a major league baseball team. And what can we do to get guys one day better, whether it's, you know, the mental side, talking to them, the physical side, getting outside and, and doing our shadow routine, uh, you know, really talking about our bullpens, having good conversations with pitchers uh, the next day after they pitched, going over their data and how they were. Uh, you know, I, I think that's important to, to just keep that, that even keel. You know, I don't really think I've wavered uh, from uh, uh, being a coach for 24 years. You know, a little bit earlier in my career, maybe I was more gung-ho on, on statistics and, and numbers, um, which are still important. Uh, but right now, the process is the most important thing, getting out there, working, showing people you want to be there for them. And hopefully I did that with our pitchers and our coaching staff did that with the rest of our players is let's get out there and grind. Let's work. Let's have some fun working. And, you know, persistence to purpose leads to success. So if we're persistent in, in working with our guys, you know, in the future, we're going to see that success. That success is going to come. You look at the Baltimore Orioles. They won 47 games one year, and next thing you know, five or six years later, they won 101, and they're in the playoffs. So, um, you know, we, we want that's where we want to be, so we're going to get there by working. Great stuff. Yeah. The first edition of Emo, Playoff Emo. I love it. Dog Operation Dogpile. When are we going to dogpile again? That's what – you know, that's what, you know, we, uh, my years that we didn't really get a chance to dogpile because we kind of went into these games and, and we're looking up at the scoreboard and like in the seventh inning, we find out we're, we're, we're in the game or we're in the playoffs. You know, it'd be great to win by like 15 games and dogpile one year. Well, I mean, you look at both the Rangers and the Orioles, not that long ago, we're both hundred lost teams and back in the postseason, it flips really quick. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing how, you know, these really good teams make the playoffs and then like three days later, I'm like, man, that, they're sitting on the couch like I'm sitting on the couch. You know, they work their tails off. They won a lot of games. And, and you know, at the end of the year, there's there's one team uh, yeah. that, that wins it all. And, and for me, that's what I want to do is that I want to be that one team. And uh, like I said earlier, persistence to purpose will lead us to success. And, and uh, we got a lot of grinders and we got, got a lot of guys who work hard. And, and that's the beauty of this organization. And I've been in this organization since 2003 and, and uh, people work. And that's the one thing I really love about this organization is how hard, you know, all the departments and, and everybody work. And, and, and at some point in time, we're, we will reap the benefits of it. I love it. We're going to get me in these meetings. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to the day when you look up and go, Townie, what do you think? And I go, well, coach, I'm thinking, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Let you write some scouting reports. You know, you can, uh, uh, I use, hey, you know, Hey, you know, as a former college pitcher back before we had all this data, we remember we had to chart. Maybe yeah. You can't, you, you you just can't say hard in, soft away, hard away, soft no, away. No, no, no. Back in the day, you had to sit there when you weren't pitching, get that clipboard, and you had to chart curveball, breaking ball, slider, split. You had to chart the entire game. So don't yeah, think now, you put one together. 
Now it's given to us immediately after the game. Boom, here it is. Yeah, you guys are soft. We used to have to do, we had pin, we had different color pins. We had highlighters. We had to do what our pitching well, coach wanted. You guys got all this stuff data now. We had to, we had to write this stuff. Well, I, I, I think if you, you, you pan the camera during the game, uh, you'll see that I have an iPad and I'm charting the game. I think it's, uh, you know, it's not going to leave me uh, charting. You know, I, I chart our, what our guys are doing ahead in the count, behind the count, even in the count, matching it up with our scouting reports, whether we're, we're on the page or whether we leaked off the page a little bit, uh, which can happen because, uh, you know, your scouting reports plan A. Plan B is uh, what the opposing team is trying to do for you. And plan C is, hey, I, I don't have anything right now. I, I got to find a way to compete and battle. And, uh, you know, just the, the scouting reports are the, the first line of defense. It's just, boom, what, what we see on paper, what the data is telling us to do. But, you know, when, when somebody punches you in the mouth and they start flipping the script and doing something different, that's when you got to alter. And then uh, plan C, like I said, you know, a lot of guys go out there you take these 32 starts from J.P. Sears, you know, how many starts did he have where he went out feeling great? How many st- how many starts did he have where he didn't feel good at all? And then how many of those were marginal? And I guarantee it, of the games he felt great, he didn't win all of them, right? Or he didn't pitch good in all of those. Of the games he pitched uh, didn't feel uh, good at all, he probably pitched really good some of those. So, you know, there's a lot of go out there, here's plan A, but number one plan is go out there and compete. You remember all the paperwork a pitching coach would have back in the day that he traveled with? Oh yeah, I still have I still have all that stuff. No, now, now you got it all on an iPad. Back in the day, a pitching coach would have all this paperwork and everything, all this charts and everything. I got I got I still have I still have binders in the house. Yeah. No, Keith Keith Lipman, our great farm director for yeah. so many years. He, he, he made a comment to me probably like 2010 or 13, no floating paper, no floating paper. So that's when everything went on the computer. That's when everything goes on the iPad. Our, our great video coordinator, Adam Roden, every game I'm charting, he's putting in a file for me. And I got all the games I've ever charted on that iPad going all the way back to 2015 uh, when we first started the iPad. So or maybe it was 16, we got the iPads. And and it's great because I, I just take notes right then and there during the game, and then we got it for later. I, it's amazing. It's it's like like the, the certain things technology has done. You know, we've talked about high-speed cameras. We talked all this kind of stuff. It's just it's made everybody's job just easier to do, and hopefully everybody getting better. All right, buddy, I'll talk to you next week. Great stuff as always, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on during the playoffs. I know our fan base is going to absolutely love it. All right, Tony. The great Scott Emerson. Thanks for having me. For your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live. Cody, put the graphic back up. Tickets are on sale right now. Right now. We've got. I was going over it the other day. Let me get to it once again. Our first game is going to be against the Rockies. You have the date. It's uh, yeah, February uh, 24th. Yeah, February 24th. Correct. February 24th. I'm going to it right now. I'm on the – I'm gone. I'm on uh, – I had the schedule full screened on the on there for us. So, if people – everyone wants to see it, it's up there. Why is it not showing? My spring training's not showing up. Oh, there it is. There you go. February 24th, Colorado. Look at that right out of the gate. 
D-backs, obviously an exciting team. Heck, they could be the champs. Uh, you got the Giants. You got the Padres. What are the Padres going to look like? That's good. Who's going to manage the Giants? Well, that's a good question. We saw uh, Alyssa Nackening interviewed yesterday. Stephen Vogt's supposed to interview this week. Uh, the Giants, uh, they're trying to figure out what their future is going to look like. But you can get your tickets athletics.com slash spring for spring training. All games are on sale now. I, I, I have an opinion on that. I think it's talking about Kim Ng being a pioneer. Um, it's it Nacken or Nakin? I thought it was Nacken. All right. I'll go with whatever you go with. Or Nacken uh, maybe. I think it's Nacken, but she's a pioneer. I mean, she's the first woman uniform on field when she coached first base. Awesome. I mean, as somebody who's a father of twin girls, whenever I see people break barriers like that, you know, at some point we are going to see, you know, more females in coaching. We've seen it in basketball. We see it with NFL refs. We see it with NBA refs. I mean, it's just going to more and more is going to happen, and it's great for our sport, more opportunity, no question. Um, I think the people who are – from an individual standpoint, for her, Correa, the guy who was the bench coach, that we're still trying to figure out how he was a bench coach. Um, but for him, I think anybody who gets an interview at, at, at any part in your life, right? This is a life thing, just not a baseball thing. Whenever you get an interview, it's it's great for you. It's unbelievable individual experience for you to go through it and not only for you to go through it, that later on, you may be management yourself, then you learn how to conduct those interviews. So this is just not, just going through an interview like that is just not for you as a potential employee. At some point, you might be the person who's do the hiring. So anytime that you get an opportunity in life to interview for a big job, man, that is gold. So I'm not going to take anything away from the individuals. I think it's great for them as individuals. My question would be, if I'm the guy running the team, you just told me we're firing the manager. He's got 13 coaches. Was that the grand total? I thought it was 15, but I don't know somewhere up there. Whatever. You just had a season where your players at the end are saying, we got a culture problem. We got a communication problem. We've got problems. You've got a coach for almost every two players, essentially. Whatever the number is, 15, 13, whatever. you got more coaches than anybody. And you're telling me there's a problem in the clubhouse. So you're going to fire the manager, and then you're going to interview people who were essentially a part of the problem. I mean, Rob Thompson, this whole thing with Philly, it's rare that you are the guy that gets hired after you fire the manager in season and then the team gets hot. Okay. It's worked, but that's a rarity. That is a total rarity that Jack McKeon taking over for Jeff Torborg and the team gets hot and wins the world series. Well, still didn't work out long-term for Jack McKeon. I mean, I, my question would be, why am I hiring? Why am I interviewing these people? I, once again, for them as individuals, I think it's great for their careers. And whether they get the job or they don't get the job, anytime you interview, that's good for you, especially learning experience now and learning for you long term. But I'm not talking about the individuals. 
I'm just saying there's a problem and you're interviewing people who are a part of the problem. I don't get it. And you're going to need to interview people. And when you interview people, they're blowing all these guys out. So I just, yeah, it looks great. And you're trying to get some good press. I mean, you're obviously trying to get good press, but what are you doing? You just, you just had a major problem in your clubhouse. You need to go outside and find somebody to come in and clean up the mess, not interview people who are a part of the mess. Does that make sense? No, yeah, no, it does. It's just like the same thing with the NFL. If, if you're going to fire, um, okay, uh, I'll just pick a team. Uh, you're going to fire Harbaugh and keep Jim Tom Sula exactly. making the head coach? Exactly. How did that work out? Not great. Or it's like if the Steelers fired, ever fired Mike, well, they don't fire coaches, but if they still fired Mike Tomlin, you're not going to hire one of his assistants to take over as the coach. You're going to bring in someone else that can bring in a, a new message in a, to the team. Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. You go get Bruce Bochy. You fooled around enough with the guys that you've had in the past, right? You fooled around with that. Ah, younger analytics. No, you went and got Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy is the guy. You got to go find somebody who is opposite of what they were doing. Because what they did didn't work. And at the very end, finally the player spoke up and said, this place right now, it sucks. Right? Isn't that what we heard at the very end? This sucks. This isn't cool. There's problems here. And I had that. I don't have it. I maybe have it somewhere around here. But from like June, July 28th on, they were the worst team in baseball. You were the worst team. You had the most coaches. You had the most eyes on your players. And you were the worst defensively. You were like one of the worst offensively. Like everything about you sucked. And now you're going to interview people who are a part of that process? Like they're going to fix it? They're going to fix it. Now, if you're just doing this to look good, you got time. Once again, great for the individual. It's two different things when you're talking about the business and the individuals. For the individuals, it's a great thing. For the business, are you are you trying to get – is it just for good PR? Like, because, I mean, if you're really trying to be winners, you really – we're turning this thing around. Because no matter what, crap on the Dodgers all you want, you're still behind the Dodgers. And now they're a year, you know, getting under that one cap. They're now going to be back and spending some money. Padres, I don't know. Diamondbacks, I believe in this Diamondbacks thing going forward. So are you better than the Dodgers? Are you better than the Diamondbacks? Are you better than the Padres? You're the fourth best team. And you think Steven Vogt, who's never managed, who sat in the bullpen for one year, is all of a sudden the guy that's going to come in, and you're down how much in season tickets? What was that percentage? It was, I mean, I, I want to say I read 26%, but that could be way off. But It's a lot. Whatever it is, it's a lot. Do you want people to be showing up and giving you their money and renewing tickets? You really think Steven Vote is going to be? When, when your guy who won three World Series for you is about to go to another World Series with a different team. This is a very interesting offseason for the San Francisco Giants. I think no question. 
You know, who, you know who's the name I saw fans float on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter. The well, fan you're old. You call it Twitter. You're yeah. old. A lot of a lot of the big fan theories I've seen have been um, the Dodgers let go of Dave Roberts and Doc comes to manage the Giants. They're not getting rid of Dave Roberts. Yeah, that exactly. But Dave Roberts does have Giants ties, and obviously with Farhan, that could be a, a move. But I don't see the Dodgers letting him go. His giant ties. What? what I mean, he played here for how long? Uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was that long. Uh, no, 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 no. It was very. Br- I mean, it, it's like his Red Sox ties, but he does have the most famous stolen base of all time. He played two years with the Giants at the end of his career. I mean, come on, come. On. I hey, it's their organization there, but it's just it's it's like, wow. Back to the season tickets. Put the season tickets back up there. Uh, spring training. Spring training. What did I say? Season tickets. Season tickets. Spring training tickets. What is the website? Athletics.com slash spring. Yep, athletics.com slash spring. Athletics.com slash spring. How nice is it going to be? Ho-ho cam. Sun's out. Guns out. Having a sausage. Having a hot dog. Drinking a beer. Watching the watching Watching the athletics back in. And I'm telling you right now. The spring competition is going to be strong. You are going to have, as you see the two guys there, Sodi, you see Ryan Noda, you think about Geloff, you think about all the pitchers. There is going to be some stiff competition when it comes to spring training. The battles are going to be there. I don't know how good the team's going to be. They're going to be better. They got to be better. But I think this spring is there's going to be a lot to talk about. Who's playing third? Who's playing short? Who's playing in the outfield? David Force has said it. Perry Manassian said it a few years ago. David Force, the general manager, just said it here on Ace Cast Live. You need a lot of starting pitchers. Well, who are all these guys? Who are all these guys? And then for later, I have a note of why. Mason Miller should be in the bullpen from a postseason standpoint. What do you think about that hot shot? Oh no, I, we've kind of we've kind of talked about that you know before the postseason even started. So I'm kind of I'm curious to see. Uh, what... I've got, I've got data. You call it data. I've got data. Yeah, I want to see how you uh, how you're able to uh, to spin that real quick. A program. I was going to say real quick a program. You know, for tomorrow. Uh, He's been an analyst all over Twitter during the playoffs, and he's our all-star and 30-home run hitter. Brent Rooker is going to join us tomorrow. Brent Rooker's been red hot on X. <laughs> he's been all over the place. He's got people all fired up. Like, when I'm walking at night, when I do my walk at night, and I'll be going through Twitter, smoking. Uh, Steve Vucinich called that a push. He goes, you walk at night, and he smokes a cigar. He's, he calls it a push. Um yeah, I know Rooker's going after it with fans and stuff. So, yeah, we're going to be on. So, this is the schedule this week. We're going to be on, obviously, right now. We're going to be on tomorrow. We're going to be on Thursday, and we're going to be on Friday. So, we'll be on tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Thursday at 1 o'clock, and we'll have a, a little more of a brief show on Friday, but it will also be at 1 o'clock. We'll have it for you. Four days this week. It's the league championship series, Cody. Not everybody can go to Cancun like you and your wife 
all the time or go down to slow or go where all the exotic places you go. I wouldn't call slow exotic, but all the places you guys travel. Sometimes you got to work a little bit. Yeah, well, in two weeks, I'm going to Vancouver, so might as well get it in now. Exactly. Yeah, going out of the country again. Uh, I'll be working and you're going out of the country. All right, we haven't we haven't we haven't broke yet, have we? No, quick update by the way in game 2 of the uh, ALCS, uh Astros down 4-1. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to give the score. Oh, well. What are you doing? You, there's a re you, you don't think I'm you don't think I got it going on right here? There's a reason I, you don't ever give the There's nothing going on other than A's cast live right now. Absolutely nothing. Coming up next, there are some really interesting numbers about the D-backs and the Phillies. I know for a lot of people, this may not be like, oh, my God, this is the clash of the Titans. But you know what? The way they're both playing, this could be an incredible series. I'll explain next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, a name that you're going to uh, look at for potentially the Giants, uh, Donnie Ecker may be a guy that uh, a local kid who's now with the Rangers is with the Giants. Uh, got to know him a little bit while hosting that Santa Clara hot stove banquet he could be a guy but he you know you can't interview him how did i always forget like there's that time in between the super bowl i wonder how that works how does it work in baseball i forget is there like a there's not a time period you gotta wait till after the season right yeah i I believe so for teams in the postseason and ecker was with the giants before and do you remember what his role is with the rangers or what his official title is he's easy we had him on the program because I got to know, you know, I did that banquet with him, and uh, he's from Los Altos. He went to, I think, Los Altos High. He's a South Bay guy. He's an offensive coordinator. Correct. I just, I, I said to him, problem is I never see you with that laminated sheet with it over your mouth like this the whole time, <laughs> calling plays. <laughs> or the pencil in the air or the Sharpie over lam- the uh, lamination. Like got to a- have a visor. <laughs> yeah. Offensive coordinator, you got you to gotta go no hat. Hat backwards. You okay? You can't have a normal hat. Offensive coordinators, you got to have a visor. Got to have a visor, or you got to go hat backwards, or no hat at all. If you're gonna be an offensive coordinator. Hey, how, how those Raiders do on Sunday? 
It's a big, big win for the Raiders against the. Uh, All the Raider haters aren't sending me anything anymore right now. Yeah, how's Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? The Patriots might be the worst team in the NFL. Wait, he's the greatest football coach of all time. Well, he's going through a just rough. Check what he, just check what he did with the Browns. Just check what he did before Tom Brady with the Patriots, and now with Tom Brady after the Patriots. He had one playoff year after Brady left. Tell me, uh, tell, well, he has one playoff, what, one playoff year in Cleveland, one playoff year with the Patriots, and a well below 500 record. That's just facts. That's just facts. Hate all you want. So remember the name Donnie Ecker when you think about the San Francisco Giants. All right, coming up, we're going to have game one of the NLCS to where I know there's people. We're going to have Roxy coming up here at 2.30. I don't have time. We, we've cracked the code. We will get into that. But the D-backs have outscored their opponents in five games. They have not lost. They've outscored them 30-11. to 11. This is no joke. They were down both games against the Brewers in the wild card, double-digit runs, and they came back and won. And then they boat-raced the Dodgers. So they've won as comeback guys and front runners. They've won both ways. The Phillies, the last two years, by the way, have out-homered their opponents 29-8 to while winning 10 of 12 games at Citizen Park. They're 4-0 at home this year. They've outscored their opponents at home this year in the postseason, 24-5. to They're both tied with the most home runs in the postseason at 13. I mean, this is going to be epic. Like, you wouldn't really think, like, D-backs, Phillies, they're both hot. They're both ready to rock. They both got starting pitching. I mean, obviously, we're going to, you know, Roxy Bernstein's been covering this team so far. Uh, Gallon and Kelly, they got to win the games they pitch. They've got to win the games. Corbin Carroll, by the way, hitting 412 with a 1,389 OPS during the postseason. Bryce Harper today is his 31st birthday. He's hitting 354 with a 1,216 OPS. Castellanos, last three games, is hitting 636. He's the only guy ever to hit multiple home runs and back-to-back postseason games. And, oh, yeah, Trey Turner's hitting 500 in six games this postseason. Everywhere you look, Christian Walker, everywhere you look, both sides, everybody's getting it done. And you look at the five-headed monster that we will get into. I'm going to tie Mason Miller to what the Phillies are doing with the bullpen. And, by the way, I got some numbers on the Braves. You shouldn't be shocked why the Braves are not here. I'm excited for this. Tori Lavello, I got it written here. So you see the swing and A's? I got it written here in the back, so I never, ever forget it. In the back of my swing and A's here. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. That's what they're about, the Diamondbacks. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. Not slug, not on base, not whiff percentage. Not strikeouts per nine, not weighted runs created plus. Love, trust, commitment, effort. Something interesting when human beings come together and they 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 gel. When they work as a unit, when they work as one. When they feel that it doesn't matter 
who they face, where they go, what they're facing, what hurdle you have in front of them. The Diamondbacks have been that team. They are really, really, really dangerous. Send them to Milwaukee, send them to L.A., send them now to Philly. They're dangerous. And Philly legitimately has one of the best home field advantages we've ever seen. We have Rock. Well, bring Roxy up. Don't be texting me. Bring him up. What's up, Roxy? Hi there, Uncle Townie. How are you? Uh, you heard me. By the way, once again, Cody, where'd you go? Cody, what, what do you have in the NLCS? Uh, I have the uh, I have the Diamondbacks in seven. That means he's guessing. Whenever someone says seven, they're guessing. I'm going Diamondbacks in six. I believe in these snakes, Roxy. What do you you're got? Both, you're both on the Tory Lovello train, huh? Love, trust, commitment, and effort. We always root for A's. Well, here here's the thing about that. When I, I'm thinking about the matchup between these two teams, Chris. Is Corbin Carroll the best player in the series? What do you, you know, think? You know, there's a whole thing about ro- guys, rookies, ALCS. I got a whole list. One of them's Walt Weiss, by mm-hmm. the way, in 1988 against the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he does it all. He does it all. I mean, I, I know right now Castellanos is doing historic things. Bryce Harper turns 31 today. He's been incredible. Trey Turner, ever since they started cheering him and not booing him, he's been a different guy. But, yeah, when you talk about somebody that does it all, Corbin Carroll is a very – I mean, you could dunk on him, but I tell you what, he he, he is uh, – he's, spe- he's not only a tremendous baseball player, but he's a special athlete. And so not only possibly Arizona has the best player in the series, right, Chris? But is Zach Gallon yeah. the best pitcher in this series? Zach Wheeler is pretty historic, though, when he, when it looks yeah. at his postseason. So, I but don't know. Gallon has terrific in his two postseason starts so far. And so, yeah. if you have the best player and you have the best pitcher in the series, that would make you feel pretty good about your chances, wouldn't you think? I got D-backs in six. And there's something to be said. When you look at the metrics for this Arizona team, and – Who are the top two defensive teams in baseball this year? They're both still playing. It's the Diamondbacks and it's the Rangers. And there's something to that. And their athletic Arizona catches the ball. They it's funny because they haven't really been slugging much this year. They're middle to bottom as far as home runs go, but not in the postseason. And it's changed a little bit. I, I think a key is we'll see how healthy Gabriel Moreno is after he took that tip off the hand um, in, in game three of the NLDS. Um, Arizona said that there's no fracture. It's fine. Everything's good. He's critical to what they do and how strong they are defensively, especially up the middle with Moreno behind the plate. You got Cattell Marte and Geraldo Perdomo at, at second and short. Alec Thomas, who's had a good postseason in center. Um, mentioned Carroll in right field. There's no pressure on them. Arizona's not supposed to be in this situation, right? And there's something to be said for that when a team just goes out there, they play loose, they're having fun. And as Tori Lovello said post that series in Milwaukee, a connected team is a dangerous team. They're a connected team. They believe in one another. 
Their bullpen has been fabulous. They can go in and win the series. It wouldn't shock me if that happened, even though I think you'd have to say Philadelphia is the favorite. Now, they're the favorite. You're going to be the favorite when you got four home games in a seven-game series and you've been so dominant at home. How important is it from Arizona's side to score early? I think it's critical. And you saw that in the Dodgers series, right? They jumped on Kershaw for six runs to the first inning in game one. Then in game two against Bobby Miller, they put up a three spot in the first inning. And then they were scoreless until the third when they hit four homers against Lance Lynn. So it's funny, Chris, because you think it would be important. But then look what happened in the wild card series. They were down multiple runs in each of the two games that came back and won. They trailed 3 nothing in game one, trailed 2 nothing in game two. But I think this is a different animal than Milwaukee in terms of if you have an early deficit. The Brewers don't have the firepower to necessarily put you away. And they just waited out Burns, and they finally got to him in game one. They waited out in game two against Peralta, and they finally got to him, and they took advantage of the Brewers' bullpen. This Philly team's a little different, and the Dodgers didn't necessarily have the pitching to, I, I think, to really take down Arizona, but the Phillies do. When you're going to go Wheeler and Nolan the first couple of games, and you got guys like Suarez who are looming, this is, I, I think, a bigger animal for the Diamondbacks to deal with, to be honest with you, even though the Dodgers won 100 games and ran away with the West. You know, the thing that, they have in Philly, which is so impressive, is they got a lot of velocity, and they got five different guys that can close it out, and they got a lot of velocity. Interesting, Braves couldn't hit velocity, D-backs can. And that's something that they really worked on, Chris, as a group. And talking to Tori Lovello before games and some of our conversations about just how good of a fastball-hitting team they are, as you and I talked about that, and how good I felt about their chances up against the Dodgers, considering Miller and Lynn rely on the fastball. Well, they work on this. It's not by accident, Chris, that they're a good fastball hitting team. This is something they actually work on. They crank up the velocity yeah. machine and they hit against it often. They do it once a homestand. They do it once a road series to get ready for velocity. And, so if you're just going to come at them and try to blow them away with 96, 97, good luck because that's what they hit. You have to be dialed in with your off speed. You need to keep them off balance because they can square up the velocity pretty good. Yeah, they're second in batting average against teams that are 97 plus. Pitches 97 plus. They're second in all of baseball and batting average. They're first and on base percentage. So you can say... I'm bringing the fuel at you with the bullpen. Uh, and even Wheeler gets it up there. But, you know, we'll see. That's why I, I – and this home field advantage thing, I mean, these numbers don't lie, Roxy. I mean, since Sisson's Bank Park opened up, it's Philly. You've ever been to a game in Philly? I'm talking Eagles. I've never done Sixers. I've never done Flyers. But I know what it's like for Eagles. I know what it's like for Phillies. It's the – it's intense. Philly's an intense town. It is. It just is what it is. And they do not lose at at Assistance Bank. It's like, I think what, it, what excites me about this is that in the ALCS, we've got two teams, don't like each other, and they know each other so well, right? There's no, you're in division, you know, you know each other, right? That's just the way it is. 
Astros, Rangers, they know each other. Let's see what you got. This one, the NLCS to me is like two teams that have the it factor, right? They didn't win their divisions. They're red hot. They got everything's going their way. And two it factors clash. And when two it factors clash, only one of them's going to win, obviously, Captain Obvious. But that's what I like about it. Both have so much going for. Something's got to give. And you mentioned the road challenges that the Diamondbacks have, have, have to deal with and going to Philly. And they've done it so far. There was a strong home field advantage in Milwaukee. That, that crowd was ready, and it didn't phase the Diamondbacks. And we know how it can be. They a Bernie stadium. Brewer, for God's sakes. We forgot we had this guy. Bernie, look at this. Bernie Brewer. They took down Bernie Brewer in the house that he built in Milwaukee. And didn't even phase him with the whole huge slide in left field. Right? <laughs> but then you also deal with Dodger Stadium, which is its own animal. Right? Yeah. In terms of the, the volume that they crank up and, and the crowd that, yes, they arrive late and they leave early. But they were passionate for the series. And they were frustrated when they fell behind in each of the two games. So Arizona's been road tested. And I think, look, we know so much about the Phillies because of their squad and they went to the World Series last year. America really hasn't been introduced to the Diamondbacks until probably, what would you say, Chris, the Dodgers series? And maybe a little bit in the wild card, too? Like, who are these guys? Because they played the Dodgers, that really people went, whoa. But And how are they doing it? It's because, you know, the young players, those veterans. Tommy Pham has always been a really good postseason hitter. Christian Walker's come up with some big hits so far in the postseason. I mean, how crazy was that moment with Gabriel Moreno, right? When they they called the ball down the right field line foul and after initially saying it was a home run, the umps got together and overturned it and said foul ball. And the very next pitch, he crushes out to left field. That kind of sums up what this team has been about in the postseason, that nothing phases them. And they're going to go to Milwaukee, and yes, it can be – or to Philadelphia, and yes, it can be intimidating in dealing with that crowd – but it, it, to quote the great Josh Beckett from 20 years ago, we're just young and dumb enough to win this thing. Yeah, and you give Philly a lot of credit. Two straight years, they're doing it again, and led by Bryce Harper. This guy's special, and he's going to have a plaque someday in Cooperstown. And, you know, not every superstar who signs a big contract lives up to the billing, right? A lot of guys can put up regular season numbers, but you put the bright lights and the expectations on them, and they don't always come through. Uh, right now, you want to talk about great Philadelphia athletes. I mean, we can look at anything from Dr. J to to Mike Schmidt. To, I mean, you're starting to look at people loving them some Bryce Harper. He's living up to the to the billing. And you know, it's funny is when people kind of raise their eyebrows when he signed that contract, right? The length of it, the money that was floated to Harper. Right now, it might be looking like a deal the Phillies got, to be honest with you. To sign him to that deal, will he's produced? I know he's battled some injuries and he's dealt with some things along the way, but he's had so many clutch moments already in his brief tenure with Philadelphia, and the Philly fans have embraced him. And the personality that he carries, he seems to be perfect for Philadelphia. But you look at this group, and it's him, and the way they've you talked about the embrace, Trey Turner, Castellanos coming on. The emergence of guys like Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott and certainly JT Real Muto. This is a team that knows how to win. And yes, the regular season, they, they fell well behind Arizona or Atlanta in the division. 
but they found a way. It all all we as we've learned the last number of years, just find your way into the postseason. That's all you got to do. In these short series, anything can happen, and if you can get hot. And a team that's been good for over the, the length of the 162 games. The Dodgers who won 100 games for the fourth consecutive full season. The Braves who did it again. Um, but their pitching was both – I thought the Braves and Dodgers pitching was a question going in when the Braves dealing with the finger issue for Morton and Max Freed. If you stumble, this team is just – I think the, that the Phillies are built for the postseason. They're built for the short-term series. As long as they can get in, that's why I think they're so dangerous as they were last year and now again this year. What we're seeing, and we're trying to – we're having fun with this going we crack the code because we, we've had all these people, analytics guys, who've said, I don't like the postseason because it's just random. And the more that we've talked about it and dissect it, actually it's the regular season that's more, more random. you got all of these guys – for example, I keep bringing up the rally monkey. They use 66 players this year, 66. So that means the Astros, the Mariners, the Rangers, all teams vying for the postseason had to play against 66 different dudes. That And look at how many guys played for the A. The randomness of, of your 40-man roster and, and you got AAA guys coming up and all this kind of stuff you did. But once you hit the postseason – as we finally broke this down with Eno Saris from the athletic is you slim down to the, your very best. So it's not really random. The randomness is 162 games, all the different players used all the different pitchers, all the traveling, all the BS, all that's gone. There's no randomness between the Astros and the Rangers. You know, who's on the 26. No one's coming from AAA. No, you know exactly who's playing. There's a, this is more this is more of we now know what you got and what we got. There's no fourth and fifth and sixth starters. There's no back of the bullpen guy. No Austin Pruitt stolen tonight, my friends. You're getting the very best of the very best. It's the slim down version of what you got. And that's why when you slim down the Braves and you slim down the Dodgers, you realize their pitching's not that good. And they feasted off bad teams. Well, you're now not facing bad teams. You're facing teams that are raring to go, that got the intensity, they're ready for the fight, and they're not as good as you. That I think we're starting, and we're really going to dissect this in the offseason, but you cover for ESPN regular season and postseason, so you get to experience both. I think there's a little bit overrated when you look, oh, they won 100 games. Well, who'd they win it against? Who are they playing? Who look, look who the Dodgers beat up. They beat up the Rockies. They beat up the Giants. They beat up the Nationals. They beat up the Pirates. That's how the, they they took care of the bad teams. The Dodgers struggled. If you look at their record against the good teams, they struggled against the good teams. And that's why they were flawed going into the postseason, where some of these squads, it, it's funny, it's interesting, this ALCS that we have. If you look at the regular season, the Rangers were dominated by the Astros. Yes. But then you had the Mariners who took care of the Astros and the Rangers dominated the Mariners. So it was like this whole triangle that they had going on. But then you're looking at the first couple of games of this ALCS right now. And with Texas up win winning in game two and winning game one, showing you that the postseason, it doesn't matter. Because in the regular season, yes, you're built for a three-game series. But you don't know when this series starts. 
Is this bullpen spent? Are they are they rested? Are they tired down there? What pitchers are available? How does it line up like you were talking about? Are we going to get a fourth and fifth starter in this series? That's not happening in the postseason. And the strength at the top of rotations with Arizona, with Gallon and Merrill Kelly, right? And there's questions when you get to three and four, what's going to happen with them? Is Brandon fought? How is he going to handle starting a game three at Chase Field in Phoenix? Well, he handled game three pretty well against the Dodgers. So once you get to that point, I think it's a little bit different in terms of the way you look at the postseason's bullpens, who's healthy, because all of a sudden the series starts, you have some time off, you can set it up how you want it, and that's a huge advantage for the teams that are top-heavy in their rotation. All right, quickly, let's get to some football, get to your college football expertise. Deion Sanders has, has said multiple times, you know where you can find me. He has told everybody, you know how to find me. You know where you can find me. Did Stanford go find him? Uh, unfortunately for Coach Deion Sanders, they did. And give Troy Taylor a lot of credit. <laughs> what, what, Tony, whatever adjustments that, that Troy made at halftime, yeah. were phenomenal. Well, and- I can tell you, I was at the Willow Glen uh, Lee High School football game as my kids were cheering. Okay, and get I'm getting, you know, because for all the Bay Area teams, like we do because these damn apps, I get all the updates and I look down, boop, Stanford's down 29 nothing at half. Stanford's been, you got to remember, Stanford's been playing football, Roxy, for well over 100 years. This is the greatest second half comeback in over 100 years of Stanford football. That's crazy. And to be honest, Chris, I went to sleep. I went to sleep at halftime. I did. I was in Utah. I was getting ready to call Utah and Cal the next day for Pac-12 Network. And so it was like I went to sleep about 1030 Mountain Time. And I wake up to my phone just absolutely lighting up in the middle of the night. Like texts from so many people that you watching this, you see what happened in Boulder. I'm like, no. Then I wake up. I'm like, come on, this didn't really happen. Like I had to go through numerous people to make sure that it actually happened. I didn't believe it when I read it from one person. And what an incredible comeback. And Alec Io Manor, the receiver who established his new Stanford single game record for receiving yards in a game. Look, we knew Colorado had its deficiencies, but I think it goes to show you the strength of the Pac-12. Considering the first couple of weeks, they win at TCU, who played for the national championship last year. Then Colorado hammers Nebraska. It shows you the depth of this league that teams that Stanford, who are thought to be an afterthought in terms of the talent in this league, well, they just went and did what they did on the road in Boulder. And it really is impressive to see and at the same time, sad to see what's happening, considering this is the last. How can you not? You got all these blue chip guys. You got all this talent. You're now able to bring in whoever you want with the nil money and all of that. How can you not play defense? And last year, they were able to overcome their deficiencies, Chris, on that side of the ball because they were able to generate so many turnovers, right? When you look at their turnover margin last year, they led the country. Yes, they gave up points. And yes, they gave up yards. But they're able to be opportunistic. That's why they were in that position if they'd won the Pac-12 championship game to go to the college football playoff, it was because their defense created turnovers. This year, that's not happening. And Notre Dame spanked them pretty good the other day. 
And they were the ones committing turnovers. And there were signs that things weren't good with USC. They were able to escape both the Arizona and Arizona State games. And those are teams you would think on paper that they would handle pretty easily. They did look at the Colorado game a few weeks ago. They had a huge lead, but couldn't slam the door, and Colorado made it interesting. That's the problem with USC is defensively, and I don't know I don't know if there's a disconnect between Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, and what Lincoln Riley wants to do, but there's a real problem on that side of the ball, and it's reared its ugly head right now. And we're just entering the difficult part of the schedule for USC. The first half was supposed to be the easy part. And now well, their leadoff game wasn't easy. No, of course not. When you're, you're dealing with, you know, the, the, the Mountain West Conference champs from a couple of years ago, I get it. But even in that game, Chris, as one-sided as people look at the score and they think it was, it really wasn't because San Jose State moved the ball pretty well against him in that game. Oh, no doubt. At halftime, they, they were pretty quiet. It was yeah. a legit game, yeah. Are you going to the game Saturday at Spartan Stadium? Yes, I am. I will be there. I think I might. I have a TV bye week this week. Um, I had the opportunity to do a national radio game, and I said I want a weekend at home because I've been gone so much recently, and my boss has showed some compassion for me and said, okay, it's fine. All right, so so quickly. Yeah. Quickly, you're a Heisman voter. Yeah. How we? I mean, is this thing like seriously up for grab? I mean, where 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 are we with the Heisman? It's kind of all over the joint. It, it is, and I don't really zero in on how I'm ranking guys until November. I want to let it play out. Then a couple of weeks, I'll really hunker down and figure out who needs to be at the top of my list. And we came into the season, Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman winner, with all he's done for USC. Certainly last Saturday's performance is going to hurt him. But you look at what Michael Penix is doing at Washington. Um, even his receiver, Roma Dunze, who's been phenomenal. Um, I think that Bo Nix, even with their loss in Seattle, what a game that was. Uh, that came down, you feel, for Oregon losing on a field goal that just missed. That could have tied the game. But what a phenomenal football game that was on Saturday. And it wouldn't shock me if we saw Oregon and Washington meet again in the PAC 12 championship game in Vegas. All right, buddy, have a good week. Enjoy these baseball games and we'll talk to you next week. You got it, Tony. The great Roxy Bernstein from ESPN just got done calling LA versus Arizona. Why Cody? I'm sure you're thinking, why would I talk about Mason Miller being in the bullpen. I, I know you're probably still saying to yourself, why? Because everybody wants him to be a starter. Why might that be important for the A's? Um, well, I want to know. I mean, we've had our own th- – I've had my own theory about him being probably – the way the – as hard, as hard as he throws coming out of the bullpen, I think he can be utilized better as a one- or two-inning guy, and he might be able to keep him healthy longer. But I'm curious to see what you have to say after watching him. Do you have any data to back that up? Um, no, I don't. Okay. I think I got some data. All right. The Atlanta Braves. And this is going to be something that is going to be hard for people because we still live in an archaic. The way baseball is covered is very interesting. You have people who want to be very modern 
but they're they want to be snobs with with data. And then you have the archaic group that wants to hold on to what they've always believed. Is that a good way to explain it? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Right? I, I'd like to fall somewhere in the middle because I think data is important, and I still think some of the old school values. I mean, I'll go back to football. You can say whatever you want about football. The game of football is still won by blocking and tackling. You don't block, you don't tackle. You don't dominate up front both sides of the ball. You're not winning anything. I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care who who your fantasy football guys are, Cody. If the big ugly can't protect the quarterback up front, you got no shot. And if you can't get to the quarterback with a pass rush, you got no shot. I mean, the game of football is still won by blocking and tackling. That that is that that will never change, right? And as Roxy brought up, look at the teams who are so good defensively. The teams that were just 100-game losers in Arizona and Texas, they're now winners. Well, one of the reasons that really help is their, is their defense. But velocity is a big thing. And when you look at Atlanta, Atlanta this year had a record slugging percentage. Remember, they had 307 home runs. But Atlanta's slugging percentage against pitches 96 miles an hour or slower was 512. That's incredible. As a team. A team, Cody. 512? Yeah, because they finished what? Didn't they finish with over 500 overall, right? Is they're it... the first team ever yeah. to finish. They're the first team ever to finish a season. I, I, I don't know how. I, I know it's at least modern day baseball, whatever we want. Live ball era, whatever. They are the only team to ever finish with a 500 slugging percentage. Okay. Now, against 96 or slower, their slugging percentage as a team was 512. You start bringing the big gas in as a team, 97 or faster, it drops all the way to 396. Their slug dropped from 512 to 396. This, there is reasons why teams who dominate the regular season and get into the postseason don't win. We want to act because what happens is, folks, getting to the getting to the analytics crew, they want to find reasons why their numbers don't work. They want excuses, right? The famous thing, Billy Bean, Moneyball, my stuff doesn't work in the postseason. Well, there's a reason. There's always a reason why stuff works and doesn't work. And what you're seeing here is Atlanta against people who – don't throw gas, they feast. You do throw gas, they struggle. Well, what does Philadelphia do better than anybody else? I'll tee it up for you, Cody. What do the Philadelphia Phillies, what are they for sure, other than winning at home in the postseason, what is Philly number one at in baseball? Uh, relief. Let me guess. Relief pitchers that throw over 97 miles an hour. 2,022 pitches. Is that a small sample size? That's a pretty big sample size. 2,022 pitches thrown by the Phillies bullpen. 22% of their total pitches are 97 or more. Remember, there's a lot of breaking balls thrown in baseball these days. Slider, 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 sweeper, sweeper, sweeper. But when it comes to bringing the gas, nobody... Nobody throws harder 97 or more than the Philadelphia Phillies. They are numero uno in baseball. 
So when you start matching that up, because the Philly starters, especially like Wheeler, Nola, I mean, Ranger Suarez is not going to be that guy. But use their starters bring it, and then now you're bringing in the, the they're bringing in the five headed monster. Um, the Braves batted just 186 overall in the series. And they, let's see here, 13-6. By the way, their OPS, that so they're slow. So the Braves batted one, 186 in the series. This is your massive, we hit more home runs than anybody else. All these talking heads were saying it could be the greatest lineup. I still got to bust Vince Catronio's chops. Because if you remember one of my late third inning hits, I was like, Hey man, we haven't had a team who led the we haven't had a team who led the league in home runs win the World Series since the 09 Yankees. And I had a bunch of these statistics why the Braves could be vulnerable. Remember what Vince said to me when I threw it back to him, my third inning hit. I'm trying to remember now. He said, talk to me in October. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cliche. It's October. <laughs> Uh, Braves batted 186 overall in the series, but against pitches 97 or more, the Braves only hit 115 against the Phillies in that series. And the OPS was 363. Essentially, there is a reason their pitching stunk, their starters stunk, and they couldn't hit velocity. So don't tell me there's randomness of why teams lose in the playoffs. They couldn't match the intensity. They couldn't match the fastballs. They couldn't hit. There's a reason why the mighty Atlanta Braves went home. They were a one-dimensional team. You took away their one dimension, and they couldn't beat you. They got no way to beat you. That's just fact. So that's why I say Mason Miller to the bullpen for the A's may not be a bad deal to have a guy who can crank it up to 102, 103, sitting in your bullpen for the postseason, and you might say, Townsend, they're not going to the postseason. I get it. I just I don't know if he can stay healthy as a starter. And you you see teams, i.e., you know, what if the Corbin Carroll of the A's is Zach Allen? I know that's a stretch, but what if – this young group can turn it around pretty fast. You're going to need some gas in the bullpen. And the one guy that you got that has that kind of gas is Mason Miller. Mason Miller, who was it? It might have been, I like to show foul territory. They do a lot of what we do. I respect what they're doing because they got a, a lot of former players. It was somebody on foul. T- oh, it was that crazy Jonathan Papelbon. Oh, my God. Jonathan Papelbon admitted that he was doing like, uppers and three shots of Jaeger before he went. I mean, that guy's a nut job. But Papelbon said it. He goes, you know, if you're a starter and you don't go very many innings, you really don't affect the game. And I agree with that. If I'm not going to get a lot of, if I'm not going to get a lot of outings and a lot of innings on a Mason Miller, he's not going to affect a lot of the games. But if I can get a lot more outings of him out of the bullpen, he's going to affect a lot more games. That's where you got to start to think, is the best thing for Mason Miller's health, his career, and for us to win is to put him in the bullpen and put that velocity in the bullpen. I think that's the right play. And because we, you, as you mentioned, the 
having data to try to keep them healthy, I think that might be the best way to try to see if that's what we're able to do. And that's what the team started doing towards the end of the year this year is you had them pitch later in games and pitch only a couple innings. Hopefully that's something that keeps him, keeps him healthy going forward because he, he has an electric arm. Just like Luis Medina, I think they're going to keep giving Medina a shot, but I, I completely agree with you. I think that that's the, the right role for Mason Miller to, to keep him healthy. Yeah, it's something we'll get into next week with because next week, when's, when's the game sevens for these series? They're this this weekend, right? Uh, let me double check. By the way, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, your audio is fine, but you are frozen on the uh, the old screen here. I don't know what to tell you. It, it's just you, and you have like a finger number one up like this, and it looks like you're in a really intense conversation. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to make point well my computer went to i just use the technology you guys give me there you then there, there you are uh you know I, it's good my computer went into stall mode oh i just do it you're not here it's not my fault you're not here we're having to go through my computer i can't talk and run a computer at the same time um game seven of the alcs will be a monday i mean you want me to be it's like, it's, it's like i'm bill russell you want me to be a player coach uh, coach the team and play center. I wish I wish they'd bring that back. Uh, game seven of the ALCS, if necessary, would be next Monday. Game seven of the NLCS would be next Tuesday. Oh wow! So when we're back on next week, we could still be in the NL, NL and ALCS. World Series game one would be Friday. Because I do want to get into a little more with Scott Emerson about he he told me at the end of the year he thinks everything that they worked on is fine and dandy now. But really, a lot of it will be about how players take that into the offseason and how you then implement it next year. Because changes in life don't happen overnight. Remember that. Changes in life don't happen immediately. Like Bill Romanowski used to tell me, was it it's 24 days it takes to change a habit? You have to stop something for at least 24 straight days to break the habit mentally or something like that. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have different um, that have different viewpoints on that, but it takes time. You want You want a bad cliche? It takes a long time to turn a boat, Cody. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's I haven't heard that one, but that's I'm sure you've it heard that before. Time to turn a boat. Takes a long time. But yeah, I mean, you just don't say, I'm quitting smoking. It's going to take time for that habit to go away. Like I, I had that with chewing tobacco. I dipped for God from the time I was 18 to the time I was 44. And then my mom died of cancer. She promised me to quit. I quit cold turkey. I could never, I tried a million times to quit, couldn't quit. Took my mom dying of cancer for me to quit, which is so sad. One of the biggest regrets of my life. Um, but yeah, I finally did quit. I dipped for a long time. It takes it's it's hard, it's hard to change habits. So the point, I didn't mean to go morbid on you. Uh, the point is that you can implement changes, right? Like they did swing changes with Shay Langoliers. You started to see the changes. They did swing changes with Ruiz. Going to take some time. And you take that into the offseat. Got my, my God, if anybody knows that right now with my golf swing, I've made more damn swing changes. It takes time for your to the muscle memory to, to repeat 
fire, repeat, fire, repeat. It takes time for it to become second nature. So what they've done with all these pictures, and we saw the lab that they had out there. What were they called? Edgetronic cameras? Edgetronic, right? yeah. Edgetronic. Edgetronic. Yeah. Yeah, they had all these high-speed cameras, and they had all this stuff going on with these. So these guys are going to have to take everything that they worked with. So we'll, next week, we'll get into that with Scott Emerson. I didn't want to get into too much A stuff because we want to talk playoffs with him because I find it fascinating, right? Here's a a highly regarded pitching coach that basically said today, you might want to clip that, um, where he essentially said, I, I want the postseason to be kind of like the regular season. I, I don't want to, like, all of a sudden flip out and change everything and panic. You mean like the Toronto Blue Jays? Did the Toronto Blue Jays do exactly what Scott Emerson doesn't want to do? 100%. You're talking about Jose Barrios, right? For Kikuchi. Yeah. Like, you, you, Barrios is dealing. This is the guy you paid. He's all fired up going against his old team. He lets one guy on and you take him out. Well, so I texted you last night. The best example would be Jordan Montgomery had a, you know, bases loaded jam and he got Jordan yeah. swinging. But if that was Dave Roberts, if that was Snyder from the, the Blue Jays, they were, they were going to the, now, they did have someone warm. They had Heaney warming up in the bullpen, but Montgomery gutted through it, and he went six and a third. But other teams, they absolutely would have pulled him as soon as they could have to get to the bullpen. How much? How much do you look at the dysfunction of the Yankees analytics team? If you followed this in the Athletic, there's a bunch of dysfunction inside the Yankees front office. Everything has been about power, power, power. Barrel rates, exit velocities, velo for pitchers. They gave up on Jordan Montgomery. This is a team that's starving for pitching. Starving. Think about that. How many people in the Yankees R&D department, research and data, are watching these playoffs going, huh, we gave up on this guy. And he's been nothing but fabulous for the Rangers. I think if you're a Yankee, if you're Cashman in front office, assistant GMs, you regret that trade. What was it? It was him for Harrison Bader is what it was. Who Harrison Bader is no longer even a Yankee. Yeah. He got DFA'd and went to the Reds. So, yeah, that trade did not work out well. And, you know, when, when, when Montgomery got traded from the Cardinals to the Rangers at the deadline this year, it was like, oh, okay, they're getting him and Chris Stratton. Like, that's a, that's a nice, like, little move. And then he ends up being the best pitcher for the, for the Rangers. Well, it, it was a big move because of DeGrom. Oh, yeah. And then because at the time you had a Valdi. Was a Valdi on the shelf yet when they made the trade? Because you had to, you had to Grom hurt. He's gone. You've got a Valdi hurt. You get Scherzer, but you needed a, you needed two guys. Get Montgomery. Yeah. And the fact that he was on my fantasy team was a bit. I was following his season. He was fantastic. So I like I thought it was a big I thought it was a big deal. I thought it was a big deal. And if you're the Yankees who don't have pitching and you let that guy go, once again, doesn't throw hard enough for us. You're just like, oh, my God, you guys are out. To he's been huge for them. And he's and by the way, he's a free agent. I don't know, probably will stay in Texas. Texas, is I mean, no state taxes. You're winning. You know, Scherzer's coming back. I don't know when DeGrom may give you a little bit of something at the end of the year, 
But uh, nothing wrong with signing Texas. Great ballpark to pitch in. I wouldn't be shocked. By the way, speaking uh, of Scherzer, he's pitching game three. They announced that? Yeah, game three, Scherzer. Like I asked you earlier, beginning uh, of the year, did you think you'd see Scherzer and Verlander facing off against each other in the LCS? <laughs> and what was my answer? Yes. Yes, I saw that. I had the hindsight to think they'd both go to a Texas team. Your question you asked me yesterday, though, before we go, that was good about the uh, the Chapman. Did you see – who did you see going further in the postseason, Chapman or the Yankees? <laughs> well, yeah, you could throw Montgomery on that too, yeah. right? <laughs> who did you think would go further in the postseason this year? Roldis Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, or the Yankees? I mean, just think yeah. about that. It still would have been the Yankees because, you know, a lot of people expected the Cardinals to be good, and they were they were terrible. They finished in last place. But he got traded. But, yeah, I was, still would have seen said Yankees. But Billy Ripken, Billy Ripken has been fabulous on – Billy Ripken is not the star that all the other guys are on MLB Network, but he may be – he and Dan O'Dowd may be the two smartest baseball guys. Billy Ripken – Obviously, the baseball family of baseball families. Billy Ripken's a smart dude. We've had him on the program. We should try and get him on again. He's always he always shows up big time in the postseason because you know what he, he knows the game. And Billy Ripken, they were looking at a Roldis Chapman's numbers. He goes, "Hey, um, I get what all these other numbers are. Are you looking at strikeouts per innings? The strikeouts are still crazy per inning for Roldis Chapman. They're still crazy per inning." ERA may be up, everything may be, whip may be up, but strikeouts, he's still striking out a lot of guys. It just takes something of a little bit of confidence, and next thing you know, that guy is hard to hit. Um, uh, I want to throw out, once again, um, spring training tickets are on sale. Athletics.com slash spring. Get them now. February 24th, we start out against the Colorado Rockies. Great home schedule at Ho-Ho Cam. Uh, we are going to be there. Johnny D is going to be calling a ton of games. Hey, if anybody takes care of a free food and free booze at a wedding, Johnny D is your guy. If you want somebody, <laughs> you want a consumption guy, he's a vol. As they say in the NBA, Johnny D at a wedding is a volume shooter. Oh, 100%. It was great to party with him, but yes, uh, the guy was bound. I mean, the guy was all over the place. Well, volume shooter. Um, so, athletics.com slash spring for tickets. And then, if you're just joining us, Trevor May has announced his retirement from baseball. Probably wasn't going to be back with the A's anyway. Um, but what a story. What a story Trevor May was this year. He was one of my top stories because of, of the way he dealt with I, I've never dealt with it. Cody, you've dealt with it. You could probably speak about this a little bit better than I can, but the way that anxiety and disorder and depression, he dealt with it head on, and he did it publicly. He didn't hide from it. He came back and told everybody, this is what's happening. This is what I'm dealing with, and came back and threw the ball beautifully for the athletics. I mean, he – he truly is going out, even though a lot, a lot of people in baseball probably didn't notice. He's going out on a high note because he was fantastic for the athletics ever since he came back from that IL stint. Yeah, he was great. And, you know, you know I, I went through it when but here it is because it always gets mentioned. Uh, I went through it when I got divorced. So I had to, had to play through that. And changing habits, as you mentioned, 
Romo saying it takes 24 days. Yeah, that is 100% accurate. And what Trevor May was able to do this year, taking some time for himself to get it to get it straightened out and to work through it and come back and finish the year like he did was awesome. Um, I think what he showed for everyone who's dealing with anxiety uh, is that you can battle through it and you don't have to be, you don't have to hide from it. And I thought that he did a great job with that. Uh, him and Daniel Bard from the the Rockies, they you know they have a relationship, so. Uh, dealing with both dealing with anxiety, so I loved what he was able to do, and and he went out on his own in his own terms. He he said, "This isn't the end of my relationship with baseball. If anything, I'll do more stuff with the game, but I wanted I want to go out on my own terms." That's what he said on his Twitch channel earlier today. I saw Martin Gallegos tweeted out, so I'm it's running on the ticker for us on the on our show right now. But yeah, that's good for Trevor to go out on his own terms, and he was a great A last year, and, and uh, I'm glad we got to see him pitch in his his last year. Yeah, what a story. It's a, it's a story that in a really rough season, his story will not be forgotten. Like when we look back five years from now, 10 years from now, and you go, hey, remember that 2023 season? Well, you got to find bright spots and everything. He's definitely going to be one of the bright spots. And more importantly, how he helped people with their problems far more important than what he did as a pitcher. Life's more important than baseball. I know it's hard to believe. I heard Danny Wexelman say yesterday on Sirius XM, like she doesn't know what to do if there's not baseball games. There's not, I, I, she doesn't, there hasn't been baseball games. She, 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 uh, I'm joking, but it's that, oh my God, I'm so stoked. It's like, I, I don't know what to do without baseball. I'm listening to that going, I, I don't know. We went to a wedding. I took my wife to, to lunch. We had a great wedding. We had a great time. We all went out and down. We, we actually were able to do things without baseball games. I don't know how she as a human being cannot function if she's not watching a baseball game. Yeah, she would have, she wouldn't, if she would, she would have had an RSVP no to that wedding because <laughs> there was no baseball. So, although you could have talked to a lot of baseball, baseball, could have, could have talked a lot of baseball, that's with a lot of Red Sox. Coverage. That's your Mets coverage right there, folks. That's your Mets coverage. <laughs> Uh, what, what did she do all year with the Mets? Because that wasn't a, that wasn't a very good year. But um, now this is going to be fun as we got the uh, game two of the ALCS, game one of the NLCS coming up. We'll be back tomorrow. We got to get Trevor May on, by the way. Yeah, reach out to Trevor May this week because we're going to be on. We're going to be on again tomorrow at one o'clock. Uh, correct. Yeah, we're going to be on tomorrow at one o'clock. Tuesday, I got a business meeting with the. Uh, Sponsor below. What Wednesday? Uh, what's up? Wednesday. Wednesday. Sponsor below. Support the sponsors, and then uh, we're back Thursday at one o'clock, and then we'll be back Friday at one o'clock. We got a jam-packed week for you. Yeah. So tomorrow we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Brent Roker, A's All Star, thirty home run hitter. Um, he's been great on Twitter talking about sweepers and postseason. Uh, yeah. Well, Sarah Lang's our great friend from MLB.com. Oh. And Blummer. Because uh, you know, we got the Astros are here. Got to talk Blummer? to them. Yeah. Wow. Oh, they're gonna have a day off. Yeah. So that's why I was able to get Blummer. Then Thursday, we're gonna talk to Gonzo, Luis Gonzalez, which is gonna be great to have to talk to, to catch up with him. And Friday, I got it confirmed. The smartest man in baseball is gonna be with us on Friday. The great Doug Sample? Lanville. The great Doug Sample? Lanville. Oh, Doug Lanville. He's one of them, no question. Oh, Chris Young's a Princeton guy. So who is our who, who is our Who'd you say is a Princeton guy? Chris Young. Yeah. It's another no, smart but guy. 
Uh, Craig Breslow was the smartest yeah. man in baseball. Yeah. Oh, he's with. Um, and, and then it became Sam Fold. Yeah, both former A's. Yeah, Breslow was with the Cubs. I forget where he's at now. He, I think he took a different job. Um, he was like a pitching strategist or something with the Cubs. I think he might be doing something else. The great Doug Glenn. Is Glenville's calling games for the postseason still, right? Yeah, it's him and Book Shami are calling the – he's on the call for D-backs and Phillies. So, it's why it's going to work out on Friday for him. All righty, my friend. Great show today. Thank you, Scott Emerson. Thank you, Roxy Bernstein. The info we got for you, I hope you're enjoying it because we're studying our butts off and trying to bring you angles and great info uh, as good as it is in the business. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Enjoy the playoffs, and thank you for watching A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 